listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. Podcasts about living with more joy, grace, and zip. Being more in your true, authentic self, having more energy, and feeling good physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We also strive to be entertaining as well as educational. We'll be interviewing experts in the field of health and well being, sharing with you our knowledge and experience to help you. Eat better, feel better, do better, and have a more positive outlook on life. Sounded good to be true? Maybe possible? Well then, you're in the right place. Welcome to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. This is a podcast about living with more joy, being healthier, and becoming your true self. It's also about doing great things in the world. I'm your guide, Janine Strong, and you are listening to Episode 3. My guest today is a friend, Lion Goodman. Hi, Lion. How are you today? I'm great, Janine. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Well, I'm really excited because uh, the topic that we're going to discuss today is beliefs, and that's been a topic that's been near and dear to my heart for a long time. So Lion is the CEO of Luminary Leadership Institute. It's a consulting firm dedicated to bringing leaders of businesses and organizations into alignment with their true self and their highest virtues. He's also the creator of the Clear Beliefs Process and author of three books, including Clear Your Beliefs, Men, Lightenment, and Creating on Purpose. Lion and his partner, Carista Luminaire, have created two programs to help create more secure, passionate relationships, Confused About Love and Healing Narcissism and Codependency. He's also the creator of free iPhone apps, iClear Anxiety, iClear Criticism, and iClear It. Lion has more than 35 years experience in transformational coaching, entrepreneurial business, spiritual practice, and men's work. He is a co-founder of The Tribe of Men, an initiatory program for men. And he served as the director of men's programs for the Shift Network, where he created programs that served more than 20,000 people around the world. You can find out more at www.clearyourbeliefs.com. We will also have a link for Lion's work at www.realjanine.com, our podcast blog. Lion... Welcome to Keeping It Real with Janine. I really am honored to have you as a guest today. You know, you have an impressive resume, Lion. Um, lots of topics we could chat about, and uh, perhaps we'll do another episode sometime. But today I'd like to focus on beliefs. Uh, why don't we start with the question, what actually are beliefs? One of my favorite questions, uh, because it's a question that I started asking decades ago and looked for answers, because what I noticed in my history is that every time I had a big change, a big transformation in my personal development, my personality, my relationships, it was always accompanied by a belief change. So as an example, when I was in therapy in my very young days, I discovered through that process, that it wasn't my mother's fault. (laughs) All of my troubles were not because of her. And that was a great revelation. And it shifted everything. And it was a belief change. So when I noticed this pattern, I I started asking myself the question, well, 
if all ch- big transformation and change is associated with a belief change, why don't we just go to the beliefs themselves and change those? Good idea. And so I, yeah. So, so I began looking at what other people believed were beliefs and how they should function, how they functioned and how they could be changed. And over time, I began understanding that most people think of beliefs as kind of a intellectual commitment. I believe there's a God or I believe there should be more government or less government. Uh, and but beliefs are actually much deeper than that. I discovered that they are the infrastructure of human consciousness. They're sort of like the Lego blocks that we use to create our reality. And as I studied them, I started understanding that they're much deeper than intellect. They go down to the very core of our human psychology. When we're infants, we're our, our number one job is to survive. And so we're looking to the world and we're experimenting to see how we can survive. And beliefs become the scaffolding upon which we start learning how to survive and thrive. So we may look around and discover, for example, when I cry and make a fuss, I get my needs taken care of. Now, this is nonverbal for an infant, and infants gather lots of beliefs in this nonverbal way. But we can interpolate what is going on inside the baby who's actually having an experience and a conclusion from that experience, and those are our earliest beliefs. Now, that's a very good belief for a baby. If I cry and make a fuss, I'll be taken care of. However, beliefs don't have expiration dates, although they should. (laughs) They should be like meat, you know, like do not use this belief after you're five years old. It's not going to work for you. So most of us know someone who still runs their life on the belief if I cry and make a fuss, I'll get my needs taken care of. So as I began looking deeper and deeper into the subject, I saw that that beliefs provide a platform for our reactions for our attitude for how we treat the world what we believe about ourselves what we believe about other people what we believe about who we are and and how we're to function and i also discovered by researching lots of different methods that beliefs can be changed very quickly and easily they they don't require years and years of psychotherapy so that's my quest and that's why i created the clear beliefs process Awesome. Well, how about telling us a little bit about the clear belief process, what it is and uh, how it works? Sure. Uh, Perhaps I should start by contrasting it with some of the other methods that are out there, because there's a lot of methods for belief change. There are. Sure. Please do. Yeah. What I discovered is that beliefs, because they're made of experience, are multidimensional and multisensory. They're not just thoughts in the mental sphere. They're also physical body sensations feelings and emotions, and they also connect with our spiritual self. So a method to be effective, a method has to be multidimensional, multisensory. It has to tap into all of those parts of us. To really clear a belief, you need to clear it from all the parts of you, right? Now, there's a lot of methods that take an intellectual approach. For example, Byron Katie's The Work. Love her stuff. It's great. It's basically a way of looking at a belief and saying, wow, that belief isn't true. I recognize it's not true. And I would be someone else if I didn't have that belief. But that all operates at the conscious level, at the mental level. And it doesn't tap into the deep subconscious mind, which is where our beliefs are stored. So beliefs are like snowflakes. 
when you're first born, you start getting snowed upon by your parents. They tell you who you are. Oh, you're such an adorable little girl. You're going to grow up to be a great ballerina or a great scientist. And this is what's right. And this is what's wrong. And this is good. And that's bad. Don't do that. Do this. And you'll make me so happy if you're like this. And so these snowflakes come down into our into our mind. We're beginning to learn how the world works and who we are in the world. But beliefs don't just expire by themselves. As I said, they start accumulating like snowflakes on the ground. And the new snowflakes, the new beliefs that come in, the new ideas we get, the new programs we get, begin to push the old ones down into the subconscious mind. So we get these these huge piles of beliefs in our subconscious mind, and they operate like little micro machines that are creating reality because beliefs create our reality. And I'll give your listeners a, ch a chance to directly experience that. So let, let's do this experiment now. So what I'd like you to do is to feel what it feels like to hold the belief there's something wrong with me. So you know it's not true, but just imagine that it is true and feel what it would feel like if you held that belief. So take a minute and do that. There's something wrong with me. And tell me what body sensations you notice. Well, it certainly doesn't feel good. I feel, uh, for me, I feel contraction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Contraction is one of the main things that we hear when people experience that belief. Some people feel their head kind of sinking down or a hollowing out in their stomach or chest, a kind of hiding, a desire to withdraw and go and not be seen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's it's kind of kind of like a sinking, sinking in and, and, and your whole body sort of contracting in. Not very comfortable. No, it's, it's a pretty awful feeling, actually. So take that belief off and throw it away, get rid of it, put it aside. And now feel what it feels like to hold the belief, I am a sacred and worthy being. And tell me what that feels like in your body. Expansive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people find it feels a lot better. <laughs> mm -hmm. I so, feel lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you can keep that one on or take it off as you wish because you always get to choose the beliefs you, you have. Oh, I'll, I'll keep that one. Thank you. <laughs> All right, good. good. So you notice that holding a belief actually gives you an experience. It gives you a physical experience. And all of our beliefs, especially the negative ones, give us that little feeling in the background because they're buried down in the subconscious mind, but they're still operating. They're like a little reality creating machine that's operating at a very subtle level. So sometimes you wake up in the morning and you just feel crappy, you know, and it's possible that some of those old beliefs just got re-stimulated. Now they're coming up to the surface and they're creating that crappy feeling. So in order to clear them, we need to get down to that feeling level. So we always use the experience of feeling the belief as one of the ways to really pull it up and clear it from the subconscious mind. And we do this through, as I said, guided imagery, where we take you through a process. You can feel the belief. You can see the belief. You can experience it fully. And then when you choose to clear it through the process that's, that's part of the, the Clear Beliefs program, it's gone. It really clears it out forever, and it doesn't come back. And a, a lot of the methods that, are, that, are, that use only an intellectual approach or only a muscle testing approach or only a, um, a tapping approach don't necessarily tap into that deep subconscious. And so the beliefs come back 
and they or or else it's just a sort of partial clearing. It doesn't get a complete clearing. So it sounds like this truly is a deep multi-dimensional approach. That's exactly right. It's in fact what I discovered through all my research and trying lots of other people's beliefs is that most approaches to this problem are partial or temporary at best. And I wanted to find something that was permanent, fast, and fun, because if it's not fun, you're not going to do it. <laughs> That's true. It sounds absolutely amazing. And um, do you teach classes or workshops or do you do one-on-one -on -one with people? Uh, all of the above. So I, ha I have a program called Clear Your Beliefs, which people can buy on the internet and go through themselves. It's a recorded program and they will examine and clear beliefs from uh, from their deep subconscious mind in areas such as uh, body and health and finance and money, um, self-image and self-esteem. So it takes you through seven different areas of life and then you can keep using the program over and over again to clear more beliefs and more beliefs and more beliefs. I'll tell you a quick story. I taught this process to a friend of mine and he went off and, and he called me two months later and he said, well, I, I just finished clearing 200 beliefs. Oh, my I said, goodness. <laughs> I said, That's, that was my reaction. I went, wow. I said, how do you feel? He said, I don't recognize myself. Wow. All the things that were stopping me, all the things that were preventing me from getting things done are gone. And I'm just getting stuff done and moving my life forward. And it's a miracle. And he went on to do multi-million dollar deals in business. So, wow. so that was a great success story. And that's what can happen is you can clear enough beliefs that you just get the stuff out of your way and it doesn't come back. You know, I, when, I, a point that I'd like to make, because I think this is so important and the work you're doing is so important, is that I really feel that, th that this is the reason that a lot of um, positive affirmations don't work. Because... No matter how much you verbalize, you know, the way you want to be, um, how you want to be, if you've got underlying self-sabotaging beliefs, um, whether they're conscious or unconscious, it, it's just not going to happen until those are cleared. Yes. In fact, there's an even deeper trick to this. And that is the principle that whenever you make a new commitment of any kind, including any affirmation or any commitment to a program, what happens in the mind is that all of the old beliefs, the ones that are in conflict with your commitment, jump up and reassert themselves. And this is a principle that ought to be taught, but it's what causes affirmations to not work. Because you may say, I affirm that I'm going to lose 20 pounds this month. And then immediately what comes up are the old beliefs and the old voices like, Oh, come on. You've never done that before. You'll never accomplish that. Forget about it. Besides, you know, there's a wedding coming up and you can't stick to a diet when you're during a wedding. And remember that chocolate cake in the refrigerator? You're not going to miss out on that. Come on, you know, give me a break. And more commitments are broken by these old beliefs than by any external circumstances. Very, very true. I like the way you put that. Thank you, Lion. Is it true that our beliefs really create our reality? 
Well, that's the phrase that's used most often. Uh, to say it more accurately, our beliefs act like lenses in front of our eyes, in front of all our perceptions, and they color our perceptions. They actually filter our reality. And, they, and just like sunglasses, they filter certain frequencies out and let cer certain frequencies in. So if I have a belief there's no opportunities out there, that's going to filter any opportunities that are out there out. I'm not going to see them. If you change that belief to there's opportunities everywhere around me, all of a sudden your world actually changes. You actually see new opportunities all over the place. So this is what all beliefs do is they filter reality to give us a specific range of possibilities. And that's why they're called limiting beliefs, because they limit us. They're like a, a limiter on a, on a carburetor so that you can't go past a certain speed. They only allow certain information in. And that's why it's good to think of it as scaffolding, because scaffolding is what you use to build a building. And then once the building is done, you're supposed to take the scaffolding away, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't interfere with people being in the building. Unfortunately, our scaffolding sticks around because there's no natural way for it to be dismantled. So we need to do it consciously. It's a conscious choice of dismantling belief after belief after belief, the ones that are interfering with our forward progress. You know, it sounds like this is the main reason, beliefs are the main reason why people see things so differently. If they, they can be looking at the exact same situation, scene, whatever, and see it totally differently because they're looking through different lenses. Absolutely. And when you take fundamentalists of any kind, <laughs> religious fundamentalists, scientific fundamentalists, philosophical fundamentalists, political, any, anybody who has a strong belief structure, you notice that they cannot hear information contrary to their belief system. I think we've now, seen that in the last year over and we, over and over again. Yes. And we'll continue seeing it until this problem is solved. But yes, our, our beliefs create a, 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 a certainty, and certainty is really helpful for the brain. The brain does not like uncertainty because uncertainty means anxiety. Anxiety is fear. Fear about something bad might happen. So the belief system is a way of feeling safe. If I know what's so, then I'm safe. I feel safe. And if I don't know what's so, if there's all kinds of possibilities out there, it could be a saber-toothed tiger out there as easily as it could be something good. So our brains are oriented toward this fear of the other, fear of what's strange, fear of, of things that we don't know. And so that's why beliefs get so fixed, because it makes us feel safe. It's part of our safety mechanism. So these beliefs, even if we know they're not true, they're, they still keep affecting us. They still keep limiting us. What's that about? Well, as I said, beliefs ought to have an expiration date, but they don't. If you think of them as little machines creating reality, you have to unplug the machine. Uh, some, one of the things I've said to some of my clients is, you know, if people who have a lot of negative self-talk, you're a piece of crap, there's something wrong with you, you should never have been born, you're a waste of meat, you know, all those things. I said, imagine that you were... Walk, you walked into a room and you were hearing all these voices and they sound true because they're in your mind. They're in your voice. Now, they probably were said by someone else when you were little, 
but you took them on and you reproduced them. We call that interjection. You're interjecting your, your parents' admonitions and negative comments. And now that you're saying it to yourself, first of all, you did that so you could align with your parents. We can't go against them because they might throw us out to the wolves. So we have to align with our parents. So we take on their beliefs. But now imagine that you walked into a room and you were hearing all these voices and you noticed a whole bunch of tape recorders around you with tape loops going around and around and around. So that's what the mind does. It's just a series of tape loops. And all you have to do is turn off the machines. But you have to do that consciously because if you don't know it's just a machine operating in the background, you think it's true, especially because you hear it so often. Mm. And, you know, I, a lot of times the 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 really uh, deep limiting beliefs um, that are, are running the program can be not that obvious. It can be just like some some offhanded thing that somebody said when you were a kid and you were in the right frame of mind to just soak it in. Yes. And the, that right frame of mind, by the way, is a wide open mind for the first four or five years of life. We're like a tape recorder recording everything during that time. We don't make distinctions. We don't have the ability to distinguish between a good message and a bad message, a true message or a false message. So we take it all in and we, we construct our picture of ourselves other people in the world so that we can get along in the world under those circumstances. And, and then they just keep being there. And the earliest beliefs are the ones that we accumulated from our parents, our upbringing, our culture, our religious leaders and religious training, our friends, our teachers, and all of those beliefs keep accumulating and they cluster together. So if you have a belief that says there's something wrong with me, it will reinforce and cluster with other beliefs like I'm a piece of crap and I don't deserve happiness and I'm unworthy, all of those things. So they cluster together and reinforce themselves. So these deep old beliefs have to be handled as clusters of beliefs and taken apart piece by piece until they finally just break apart completely and disappear. Oh, interesting. So it's the analogy that came to me is it's kind of like putting a puzzle together and then taking it apart. Yes, good analogy, good analogy. And that puzzle is usually pretty dark and negative because our brains tend to attract and keep the, the, the negative thoughts and negative beliefs more than the positive ones. And that's just part of our, our evolution as animals. It was better to be mistaken when you made a mistake, like there really isn't a tiger there, than it was to think there isn't a tiger there and there was a tiger there and then you die. So, so, so we tend to, we tend to uh, be attracted and, and hook on to the more negative uh, uh, beliefs that we come across. Hmm. So I'm curious, what would happen if a person removed all their beliefs? They had no beliefs. Well, I'm asked that question quite often. And my answer is, it's a great idea. Just be sure that you have an attendant who can change your diapers and bring you food. <laughs> because wow. if you had no beliefs, if you had no beliefs, you wouldn't know, for example, that you had to feed yourself. You wouldn't know to stay out of traffic. So you'd be dangerous, actually, because the beliefs that we did accumulate are useful. Like knowing that a car can kill you, so don't get in front of one is a very useful belief. 
and I don't recommend removing that one. That's a perfectly good belief. It helps you survive. So we're only interested in removing the beliefs that are interfering with your life, not the ones that are positive. As an example, um, uh, a number of people who are very devout Christians came to me and said, we want to remove some of our beliefs. And I, I, my whole thing is about removing any belief that you don't want, right? So I was a little concerned. And it turned out that they wanted to remove the beliefs that were interfering with their faith. And it worked marvelously. And they deepened their faith by doing that. And so I was very happy to see that even in a strong faith community, this, this process can work because it, you clear the ones that you don't want to have rather than all of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So our beliefs come from our experiences and some of those experiences produce useful, what I like to call, I, I like to get away from negative and positive. So uh, that comes from Richard Bartlett and Matrix Energetics. He likes to use useful. So, so some of these beliefs are useful. They're helpful. And some of, because some of our, our experiences are, are twisted and hurtful, we develop beliefs that are not useful and that are harmful to us. Right, right. Uh, and again, is when we're very young, we don't have those distinctions. They all are useful to the growing mind. And so we then, as we get older, have to, you know, winnow them down and filter them and decide which ones are useful and which ones aren't anymore. Because a, a belief like if I cry and make a fuss, I'll get taken care of is very useful for a baby, mm -hmm. not so much for a teenager or for an adult. Right. So. So, yes, it's important to decide which beliefs are useful, which ones aren't and get rid of the ones that aren't, because that's what's interfering with your life. There's lots of really positive and useful beliefs, like I can accomplish anything I set my mind to. That's a fantastic belief. It gives you great power in the world, right? Mm -hmm. It's opposite, not so useful. <laughs> and in fact, part of the process uh, in, in the Clear Beliefs program is that you clear the old negative belief that's been limiting you. And when you do so, what you create is space. And then, you decide as a soul, as a, as a awake being, what belief do you want to have instead? And that decision then gets planted in to that space that the old belief held. Uh, it's, it's a lot like uh, building a garden, a vegetable or, or a flower garden. The first thing you do is you have to clear the land. You have to take out the rocks and the weeds and, and amend the soil, and then you can plant your seeds. If you tried planting those same seeds on rocky, weedy soil, you wouldn't have much luck. It wouldn't grow much. But when you clear the field first and then you plant what you want, that's when what you want will grow. And so this is part of the process of manifestation. Clear the negative belief and then plant a positive belief. Now, if we call that an affirmation, now the affirmation has a chance to actually take root and grow and become who you are, become part of who you are, integrate with your with your whole attitude in mind. So now you're operating from a, a belief that you want to have in your life rather than one that was programmed into you a long time ago. Well, I'm intrigued, Lion, and I hope a lot of our listeners are intrigued enough to want to explore what you have to offer for changing these not useful beliefs and planting new ones in their place. You've talked a little bit about what you have to offer people. Um, why don't you go through it again and um, uh, let people know how they can take advantage of your 
of your really amazing process. Sure. Uh, first of all, um, if you have an iPhone or an iPad, you can try out our app. Now, the app is called iClearIt, and there's one called iClearAnxiety and iClearSelfCriticism. iClearIt is kind of the generic one, and then we're coming up with the more specific ones. That's a process that's part of the clear beliefs process that I call the body wisdom, and that is using clearing things from the body. So it's a guided process for clearing whatever's bothering you, a feeling, an emotion, a body sensation, a problem in your mind, a problem in your life, and using a very simple process step by step to clear it out of the way. And it's a video, it's a little video guided process uh, that's available very inexpensively on the iPhone and iPad. Cool. So do you have to be by yourself to do it or can you do it with other people around and they won't know that you're doing it? <laughs> <laughs> if, if, uh, it's, it's video and audio, but you can choose between video, audio or text. So you can use it with a headphone if you want to hear the audio and video or you can just hear the audio or, or just read it and do it yourself. Yeah, it's a very simple process. And once you use it 10 or 15 times, you can do it yourself without the app. So it's really a self-empowerment tool. Cool. So it is something, let's, let's just say you're sitting on the bus and, or, or the subway and mm -hmm. a lot of people around you and maybe, oh, let's see, maybe you're going to an inter, a job interview and you're feeling anxious. Can you sit there and do this process without, you know, people wondering what you're doing or looking at you or, or feeling self-conscious? Yes, you don't look weird at all because all you're doing is, is just focusing on the body sensations that are associated with the anxiety. Would you like me to give you a sample? Sure, I'd love it. Okay, so imagine feeling anxiety for a minute, when, whatever makes you anxious. Uh, how about doing this podcast? <laughs> okay, okay good, good. So feel what it feels like to, to, to have that sort of underlying anxiety and just describe where that anxiety lives in your body. Actually, I'm feeling it in my heart right now. Okay, good. So as you feel it in your heart, pay attention to its size and shape, just as the body sensation itself without any associated ideas about it or thoughts about it. And just tell me about how big it is and what its shape is. Actually, what I'm getting right now is it's kind of uh, like a, a bar across my chest. Mm -hmm. Good. And does the bar have some weight to it? Yes. Kind and of about he how it's heavy and it's yeah. black. Okay, charcoal, good. So charcoal gray. Charcoal gray and, and heavy. And how much does it weigh? If you put it on a scale, how much would it weigh? Well, I'll just have to go with what popped into my head, two and yeah. a half pounds. <laughs> okay, good, good. So, so I'd like you to allow that two and a half pound bar that's charcoal gray, just allow it to be there. Take a breath or two and just give it room to be there. It's starting to change. Yes. And there's the principle. So the principle is if you are willing to experience an experience, it will change or disappear. I could take you further through the process, but I wanted to go at least that far to give you a sense of how the app works and how that part of the process works. So if we kept doing that, if we just kept having you focus on it and focus on it and focus on it, eventually it would disappear or it would shift and then you'd focus on it some more until it disappeared. So that's the that's the process that's in the app. And you can go to iClearIt.com to learn about that app and its applications. Great. And we'll have, so links, that, we'll have links on the show notes, too, everything that you have. I want to let listeners know, too, that I didn't do anything to change that bar. 
it just happened. It just started getting um, kind of swirly and flowy. Mm -hmm. um, but I just right. watched it. I didn't do anything. I didn't. I wasn't forcing anything to happen. Right. So some people call this an embodied mindfulness practice, and there's lots of good names for it. I just call it body wisdom because there's a lot of wisdom in the body sensations, and you can find and clear things that come up through the body. So that's for that's the app. And then I have the program called Clear Your Beliefs, which you can find out about at clearyourbeliefs.com. That's a seven-recorded class session that takes you through an analysis of your beliefs, and then choosing specific beliefs you want to clear. And then I guide you through the whole process so you can clear them one after the next. And then I also teach these methodologies to coaches, therapists, and healers. I've taught over 250 people around the world this, these processes. And that's a program called the Clear Beliefs Coach Training. And I teach through the Impact Coaching Academy. And you can find out about that at clearbeliefs.com. And on that site, there's some recordings of sessions if you wanted to hear what that was like for other people. So that's a training that uh, will next uh, come up in January of 2017. And it's a, a fantastic 40-hour program to give people all of these techniques they can use with themselves or others. Awesome. And where is that held? That's online. Oh, that's so online. It's, it's, Great. So there's virtual, no excuse. You don't course. have to travel right. or go anywhere. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Great. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like our listeners to know before we close? This has really been very valuable. I'm, I'm so happy that you're with us today, Lion. The most important message I have is that, yes, it's true that beliefs limit you. And beliefs also create possibilities. And by changing your beliefs, you can go from limited to possible, from what's not allowed to everything that is allowed, from uh, being isolated and alone and afraid to being in the world successful in everything you do. And it's just a matter of doing some digging, turning that, that searchlight inside, finding what's true, and clearing it one step at a time. It just happens one step at a time. And every step forward allows you to open up more areas of your life and have more success in every area, in finance, in money management, in relationships, in love, in, in health, in, in your, your body. Every part of life can be improved by simply changing your beliefs. Wow, that is great. I hope our listeners will check out your your website, check out your course, check out your workshop, your apps. I really wanted to interview you early on in the life of this podcast because the beliefs that we hold are so important and they really do shape our lives. And um, And I really do think they have a huge impact on whether we see ourselves as a victim or as the the person who is responsible for creating our our reality and um and i think that that is one of the most important things that that people need to grasp when they're living a life that they don't like and they're not happy with i couldn't have said it better myself janine oh well thank you and thank you so much line for being with us and i hope you'll come back again soon i know there are other wonderful topics that we can talk about 
Anytime. Just call me and I'll be there. <laughs> Isn't that a song? <laughs> it should be. <laughs> great. Thank you so much. Thank and you, have Jimmy. a great evening. Bye. Thank you so much, Lion, for sharing your knowledge and work on beliefs with us. I think we've all got some good takeaways, interesting ideas to think about and explore. If you find yourself repeating similar self-sabotaging behaviors, that can be hard to say, self-sabotaging, you may want to look at clearing underlying negative beliefs that prevent you from moving forward. I found in my work that most people don't know what they are. Often, many have an idea, but we find that there's something even deeper that needs clearing. Watch your language patterns, you know, repeatedly using phrases like, I can't, I don't know, I don't want to, I never knew, those kinds of things. They're great clues to underlying self-sabotaging beliefs. If you'd like to learn more about Lion and the Clear Beliefs process, please go to the website www.realjanine.com for more information and links. we're going to start a new fun tradition. It's going to be called the check-in and I'm going to check in with different practitioners to see what's happening in their practice. Are they seeing any trends, um, any particular thing that they'd like to share with us and also give you, our listeners, uh, a good takeaway or two. So we're going to start our first check-in with Brendan Murray Nellis, licensed acupuncturist. He's also my podcast co-host when he has time. And um, well, let's just see what happens. This is going to be off the cuff and our very first one. So here goes. So it is time for Brendan's check-in. Hey, Brendan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. (laughs) How's it been going? I think you've been a little busy because I've been having a hard time getting a hold of you. Yeah, it's, uh, I had to sh- shut down early here just so I had some time to uh, to spare to devote to this because it's been it's been uh, a matter of trying to juggle one of the busiest couple weeks of the year here and not having a, a front desk person for the past week. So oh wow, a little bit crazy, but it's good. Good. This will be our first check-in, so we're a little new at this. Um, But my idea was to have a regular check-in with you. And, you know, you can talk about whatever you want. You can talk about what you've been doing, what's been going on, uh, something that's happening in the world that you want to talk about, something you've been seeing with patients frequently that, and what you've been doing with them that you think might be helpful for our listeners. Yeah, so, I mean, there's... There's uh, I've seen a lot of different things with patients lately. I'm gonna avoid the topics of world <laughs> politics and uh, uh, 
the future in too broad of a sense because I that's over. Understand. But I, you know, I have been I, I, lately for some reason this past week or so, I've really been seeing a lot of people come in with numbness in their toes. Wow, that's kind of an interesting thing. That's been sort of a hands and feet kind of couple weeks where there's lots of people coming in with different conditions, whether it's arthritis in their hands or feet or um, lack of nerve function on the on the sort of balls of their feet, as well as in this new, this cold that's kind of hit us all of a sudden out here in the woods. I've been seeing a lot of people that suffer from uh, Raynaud's syndrome as well. So there's been a lot of sort of issues either around a lack of circulation to the hands or to the feet or, um, you know, arthritis and uh, nerve issues. So it's been, a, it's, it's, it's rather odd because I don't run into this very often and then all of a sudden there's been a big... Yeah, that does sound odd to me. Let's start with, why don't you describe to our listeners what Raynaud's is? Because a lot of people might not know that. Okay, so... Raynaud's syndrome is sort of uh, what they call idiopathic, which means there's pretty much they have no idea what causes it or, or how to <laughs> cure it in the Western me medical sense. Uh, with acupuncture, I've had a fair amount of success with it. Mm. Really what happens is that for some reason, the, uh, the blood vessels uh, just pinch off and, and don't allow circulation to flow to the hands. So usually the circulation will cut off either at the wrist or sort of at the base of, of the fingers. Hmm. So between the palm of the hand and the fingers. And so what ends up happening is that when someone goes out into the cold, uh, it doesn't have to be all that cold. It could be washing your hands with the cold water on the, on the tap. But also this time of year, when we start getting into winter, happens more Frequently, so when people go outside, all of a sudden their hands turn white or purple and get extremely cold, and there's pretty much no circulation going to them. So with acupuncture, it's um, not the most pleasant thing to get needles in your hands, but there's different things that can do to increase circulation. So sometimes I'm really working in a more of a broad sense on how to help the heart be a bit stronger. Um, but also how to draw energy down to the fingers. So I've been using a lot of moxa. And what's moxa? So moxa bustion. So when you go see an acupuncturist, it doesn't mean they're going to use needles. There's many different uh, parts of Chinese me medicine, one of which is called moxa bustion. And moxa bustion is really when you take the plant mugwort, which is a common herb that many people have in their gardens and things, Early on in the development of Chinese medicine, they, you know, uh, using acupuncture needles was a rare commodity and a very expensive. So people would grow mugwort and they refined the plant down to, if you're familiar with it, there's kind of this white fuzz on the bottom of the leaves. And so mm -hmm. uh, really that's, that's the part of the plant you want the most is just that white fuzz. But usually you get a bit of the leaf matter as well. And so what happens is that you, you age it for a year or two, and then you uh, refine it down to just trying to concentrate that, that white fuzz on the bottom of the leaves, and then also a little bit of the leaf matter. You take that, and it's sort of like this loose 
uh, what they call a floss, which is sort of like this fluffy, slightly refined plant matter. And you, you take that and, and there's different ways that people use it. When I say use it, I mean they burn it. So when you burn moxa, it smells a little bit like someone is smoking something that maybe they aren't allowed to smoke. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I, I personally think it smells like I, I do too, I but really like oftentimes I have people coming in saying, what do you think you're doing in here? Smoking weed in the clinic. <laughs> but really what it is, is it's, it just smells a little, a little like, a little bit like sage, a little bit like a really just plant matter that's burning. And so there's a long tradition of using sort of like a t- tissue paper type of thing and r- rolling the mox into like a cigar shape. It's quite large and you light it on, on fire and you get a little ember going and you burn it over the acupuncture points and that will heat up that area of the body and draw circulation to, to that part. I also will make these little cones, they're called, sort of like little pyramid shapes, uh, bits of, of plant matter, and put them on the ends of the acupuncture needles or directly on the skin. And there's a whole t- technique of doing that. But pretty much you're, you're adding heat to the, the body and that will create different results. Yeah, so it's a, it's a wonderful thing to use with gray node syndrome or um, other things to kind of pull circulation away from the core of the body to the hands and the feet. I've actually used it for high blood pressure, which seems counterintuitive, adding heat to the body. But you can actually mm. draw the, the circulation away from the heart and down the arms to the hands towards the feet and so there's you know i've used it for a lot of different mm-hmm. things but it's mm-hmm. it's happening a lot lately with the cold season cool wow i know my experience with it is i feel a, a really deep to the core warmth i just i love it it just it feels so good because i yeah. tend to be with my thyroid issues i tend to be cold a lot yeah so you know burning it uh, oftentimes it's done sort of on the lower torso uh, to really kind of warm your core. And that's a little bit different than bringing the circulation to the periphery because that's really about trying to bring the circulation to the core, kind of away from the periphery. Because with thyroid conditions, there's it seems to me like there's a, there's a certain amount of evidence showing that really the thyroid becomes over... What happens is that there's this whole issue of the adrenals sort of trying to rob the... When you get into a fight-flight response, your your adrenals will just take over all of the whole endocrine system and rob it all of all the nutrients and everything it needs and just focus on creating more chemicals from those adrenals and pumping that into your system so that you can run away from the saber-toothed tiger. But it doesn't have to be a saber-toothed tiger, does it? It can just be, quote-unquote, stress. Well, yeah, well, that's that's the big saber-toothed tiger. That's the one that I'm trying to run away from, too, <laughs> and that everyone struggles with. And it doesn't matter if it's a saber-toothed tiger or, you know, meeting that deadline to file your taxes or if it's uh, driving through traffic or windy roads or, you know, it, it can be it can be um, anything that, that can create stress. So um, it can even just be simply working in, in, in an environment where you're not happy, even that can create mm-hmm. that kind of a, a adrenal response. Because if you don't feel comfortable where, where you work or where you live, 
you're always on edge. You're always ready to run, right? And so when that sort of dominates your your life, it, it definitely um, doesn't allow for the thyroid function to function correctly. And the digestion usually goes as well a little bit. But anyway, so sometimes we're trying to warm the core and kind of create that sense of restful calm and bring the circulation back to the middle of your body and bring, you know, uh, trying to increase the function of the ventral vagal state, which is really the sort of the sometimes called the parasympathetic nervous system as well. That, that part of your body that's that's really about restfulness and thinking, like deep thoughts, reading, digesting, relaxing, sleeping, all those wonderful socializing, things. all of those things that are wonderful. So really getting your your body back into that state is uh, it's really, really wonderful. And moxa does something else that helps with that too. It actually when you burn moxa. Um, the smell of the smoke actually does that as well. Um, in in Europe, yeah. this is very—it's not very Chinese use of it, but in Europe, historically, mugwort has been used in little um, sachets that people will make, and they put by their bed and helps them dream, helps them have, you know, really active dream life, and to allow people to engage with their dreams and. And, um, and so it's it's really good for that as well. It helps you kind of uh, relax and open up your, your dream and self and helps you be a bit more creative and things. So mm-hmm. um, When you say engage with your dreams, are you referring to lucid dreaming? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. So mugwort helps that. So I wanted to ask you, so for people who are, uh, having problems right now with cold hands and feet and just, you know, different issues, and they don't have an acupuncturist to go and see, what would you recommend for them to help them? Any herbs or? So definitely, if you have cold hands and feet, it, it does help to have a little bit more cayenne pepper in your life. If you add it to your food or even black pepper, any of those kind of spicy foods, will help Mm -hmm. your circulation further out to the hands and feet. Would ginger be included in that or not? Uh, Ginger, not as much. Uh, The the spices like like ginger, cinnamon, um, nutmeg, those kinds of spices that, you know, are kind of sometimes we associate them with chai or with winter baking are Mm -hmm. actually really good at bringing circulation to your core. Okay. Um, ginger is kind of the exception. It might help uh, as well, but it's real. It's it's real focus is on the stomach. So mm-hmm. it kind of will maybe bring circulation. Like it'll help bring circulation to maybe both, uh, as opposed to something that's more specific. The other uh, herb that's quite helpful that's really common is rosemary. You can oh you can use rosemary in, in that way, and you can make a tea out of rosemary. And it tastes a little bit rosemary-y, but you can make a tea every day with maybe a, about a, a half teaspoon to a, a teaspoon of rosemary. And if you have the essential oil of rosemary, you could add that to a little bit of an oil. Like it doesn't really matter if it's coconut oil or olive oil or something. Add a, a few drops of rosemary to a small amount of that, a tablespoon or so, and then rub that on your hands and feet. Or... Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you if you want to get a bit creative with acupuncture there's these points sort of by the either right on the tips of the fingers or toes but also right by the the nails of your mm-hmm. your fingers and toes so they're called mm-hmm. like at the base of the nail yeah sort of right at the base of the nails the side the the corner mm-hmm. right at the corner they're they're called jingwell points and they are very good in scenarios that are a little bit more of an emergency type of scenario, but they are really good at sort of tapping into to energy to kind of really dramatically pull heat to your, your fingers and toes. And so you could use, I've, I've been telling people to use a drop of rosemary oil on the tips of their fingers and to massage it into the, the sort of the, the last joint on your fingers and toes because that will actually have a fairly strong effect at pulling it towards those Jingwell points. And the other points that are on the tips of your fingers and toes are called the Bashi points. I'm getting it wrong. The Bashi points are by the knuckles on the fist. Ah. I think. Anyway, the, the point is, is that you just want to bring, you want to bring the circulation to the tips. If you can draw it right to the tips, it should take care of the rest of the finger. So using that rosemary, just a one drop on each finger, it should be quite quite strong. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about using the oil neat, straight, without uh, blending it with anything else. And rosemary oil, you know, get a quality, get a good high quality oil. And luckily, rosemary is generally not very expensive. So yeah, usually you can find a, a decent oil at a, a specialty store or health food store. And if you, if you don't have access to essential oils, the other thing I tell people to do is to get some cayenne pepper and put it in some oil. I'm just going to guess here. I'm going to say about a tablespoon of cayenne pepper in a jar, say 100 mil or 150 mils of oil. And you can use olive oil. It doesn't have to be fancy. And, um, but it's, you know, if you have a nice almond oil or something like that, that you like a lot, well, that you can use that. And if you leave it in there for about two weeks mm-hmm. and shake it every once in a while, and at the end of the two weeks, you can filter out the, the loose cayenne pepper and then, and then take the oil itself will be really spicy. And you can put that on your tips of your fingers as well. On your toes. Mm-hmm. Problem with that one though, is that it'll, it'll, kind of stain your fingers a little bit orange so there is a downside but it is so so maybe just use it on your feet yeah exactly (laughs) i've actually mostly used that for for folks that have diabetes and that are starting to lose circulation to to their feet because it is quite strong and it does dye your your feet orange so (laughs) it has to be uh has to be something that you're you're not too worried about you know wearing your sandals uh, in public or anything unless you wear socks with your sandals but that's a whole other issue so <laughs> would you use the rosemary uh, essential oil and the the cayenne oil that you've um, made no just together? stick with one or the other i don't i don't i don't want to uh you know throw okay. too many uh different things at, at a, a single problem uh, if one doesn't work that well you could try the other there's, there's no need to really mix them. okay Great. Wow. Now, I think for our first check-in, this has been awesome. Um, You've shared some great information with us, and I think the listeners have some good takeaways that they can use this winter. Thanks a lot. 
So what's up for you for the next week or what's so? Up? What's up for you for the next week oh, or so? Um, well, I'm trying to uh, carve out some time to spend in the woods before it gets too snowy. So I have a couple of spots I've found recently that have some big old cedar trees that went through a big fire and they're all burnt out on the inside. And so they're really gorgeous. They're like these shells of trees and all burnt on the inside. And I would spend more, more time with them. Do you have a camera? Uh, I could bring Perhaps you could take some pictures that we could post. Sounds good. Great. Well, thank you, Brendan. We'll talk again next time and have a great couple of weeks. You That brings us to the end of our show. I hope you found something of value that you can use in your life. Thanks for listening. The Keeping It Real with Janine podcast comes out every two weeks. Questions, comments, or podcast topic ideas? We'd love to hear from you. Email at realjanine at gmail.com or Twitter at realjanine. Remember to spell Janine correctly. J-A-N-E. Check out the show notes, extras, and bonus recipes at our blog, realjanine.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Be well.